<laughs> That's a perfect start of the show for me. That's outstanding. I'm Jeff. And I'm Greg. You ready? And we're ready. here to give you the high high hat. hat. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Perfectly in sync. <laughs> oh my god. That'll be the template we work from from now on. What? Hey, holy shit, we're back. After a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, right off the bat. Yeah, I'm not going to say who it was, but it's the one of those. Oh, well, it was me. Hair. It was <laughs> <laughs> Technology, technology is great, except when it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mr. Mr. Harris, what are you drinking tonight? Pre-show. What, what, what are you drinking tonight, Mr. Harris? Um, well, first of all, I want to apologize. Um, I hope you've had a good week, by the way. But um, uh, okay. I guess I'll, I'll just – I've got an eye that might look a little bit weird. And um, I was out – I actually had a couple of days to myself where I wasn't working on any projects or anything. So finally got some time and um, Michelle's family has got um, some places, some pretty nice places actually on some lots on Lake Gaston, um, which is our home lake, as you know. Uh, so we went up there for a quick weekend getaway and I can't figure out quite when I did it, but I've narrowed it down to either two things. Uh, one being that there were feather pillows on the bed that I slept in and I'm allergic to feathers or two, I, I took a bug or a piece of trash to the eye. So I've got a really bloodshot eye. It doesn't hurt or anything. It's just, uh, it was really bad over the weekend, but it looks a little bit better now. So, but, uh, yeah, it was a fun weekend getaway. You know, it's, um, it's kind of funny, you know, growing up on that lake, Lake Gaston. If you don't know, it's right on the border of North Carolina and Virginia in the middle, in the center part of the state. Yep. And it stretches from, uh, I'd say for a point of reference, from about Greensboro, although the lake is nowhere near Greensboro, we're talking about right up, all the way over to probably uh, as far east as I'd say, what's the point of reference east? Rocky Mound or, or so? So he's about 150, there. about 150 miles, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, a, so it's, it's a big lake. And um, well, I'm not going to say exactly where we were, but we were. We were well, you just did Lake Gaston. Well, I know, but I'm talking about talking where I'm on, on the lake. <laughs> it's a unique perspective for me because I was on the Virginia side and the west side of the lake, close to the Kerr Dam. And, you know, when we grew up, we. We were at the Runnick Rapids Dam, <laughs> you know, and the mid middle point of the lake is the Eaton's Ferry Bridge. And like everybody who's ever been on Lake Gaston knows that because that's where all the boat docks and everything are. But, you know, my wife and I both spent a lot of time on that lake when we were teenagers and we were reminiscing. You know, she grew up in Raleigh, but her family has had places on Lake Gaston since she was a child. You know, and I just lived there, you know, 10 miles down the road. So uh, I said, you know, who knows how many times we probably passed each other on a boat on this lake before we even met. 
you know. So that was kind of unique. But they love it up there. I do too. It was fun, you know. It's a campground and a bunch of people and campfires and just boats and you know. But you know, I did everything you could possibly imagine that you can do in Lake Gaston by the time I was eighteen. So. You know, <laughs> at this point, I only like it in, in small doses, but legally I get and them. illegally. I get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if it involves getting naked and being in the water, I've done it. Can we see some pics? You got pics? No, I've, no, I've got some Infotigo. <laughs> <laughs> and from the way it looks in that picture, you might have gotten some pink eye too. Yeah, that, that's probably, you know, I didn't even think about that. That's probably where it came from. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, Michelle was yeah. farting in my pillows while I was out of the room. That's probably what happened. She really did take, really take that. that. Sorry, Michelle, watch it. Michelle, I don't mean it. I was being ultra sarcastic. Why did you say I farted on you? I wasn't. I was joking, honey. Oh my god, now everybody thinks you fought I fought on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, we, it's a joke. Hey Hunter, let's let's just edit this out. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> we'll keep it in. So that's it for me. Um, you know, anybody who uh doesn't follow national weather too, I just wanna let you know that it's about equal to the temperature of hail in North Carolina. And oddly enough, I would be working on a project where I'm outside a, a good part of the time. So um, if I just fallen off to sleep in a coma here shortly, don't be surprised. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get a stick. Uh, I'm going to have to poke him. <laughs> well, he's downstairs, so he can actually come up and emit our oxygen or whatever if I need it. Administer. Sorry. Whoa, enough about me. How was your, your week and everything? It did very, very mundane. Uh, <laughs> hot as... <laughs> um, wishing I was back in Chicago for another vacation. Oh, that, oh the week back after vacation. That's it, yeah. I so didn't want to be at work this past week. Yeah. But... Bill's got to get paid somehow, but no, no, it was, I, the only really big news is that uh, one of our cars died today, so, Ouch. yeah, but we, we had a, I mean, we had three, now we're down to two, so we're just going to be at two for a little while. That's good. I'll always, I remember having that third backup and I sold mine recently, so I yeah. get it. That sense of security, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, transmission went out, and it's it would cost the the price it would cost to put a new or even a used one in would probably eclipse the worth of the car at this point. Yeah. So. And as soon as you fix that, then it'll be something and else. That being it'll said, be would you like else. a car? I can I can sell you a car if you want. <laughs> I'm good. Yep. You good? You sure? Yeah. I'm trying to limit right now, so I'm like hard pressed in that mode, which is a oddly enough, even an unintentional segue into the topic of our show. Unless you had something else that you wanted to share, I bet you've still yeah. been hitting the casinos. Be honest. 
Oh, have you yeah. been to a I... casino this week? Yes, I have. See? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it ain't so mundane after all, is it? Mr. Hot no. Shot. But I know you consider shot. that I know you consider that work too. I mean, I know how yeah, your well, man works because you're there well, to make a living. That's right. You got to grind it out, brother, one way yeah. or another. Got to yeah. cash his ticket. What's the guy from Rounders um, that um, – shoot. Um, you know the guy that, that in the movie Rounders, he was kind of like the mentor, and it, he just made a steady living. Oh, Kanish. John Turturro played him. Yeah, Kanish. Huh? Kanish. Yeah, that's it. You're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a great. God, I could watch that. That movie. was a great. Yeah, I still watch it. Yeah, to this day. Me too. Yeah, whenever it's on. Yeah, and I've I've got my problems with Matt Damon, but you know I'm not going to get into that. We've talked about him, you know, face to face. But um, he, he's a great damn actor. I mean, I'll give him that. He's made some of the greatest movies ever. Um, and that movie, I mean, I mean, I think that's his masterpiece. Honestly, I mean, it's. That movie is so freaking good. And it, you know, the thing about good movies, there's some like, you remember, did you ever see The Revenant that um, yes. uh, Leo DiCaprio, DiCaprio won the Oscar for? I mean, yes. one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, you know, but I don't want to see that movie you know, over and over again, you know? Maybe the last 30 or 45 minutes is, you know, I'll, I want to see that over and over again, but not the whole movie, but a movie like Rounders, those kinds of movies. It's kind of like, you know, it's just the joyride. It's kind of like uh, Ocean's Eleven. You know what I mean? You just, um, you can just watch it. Anytime it's on, you just, oh, I got to watch just at least 15 minutes. Well, for, for me, without getting too deep into it, for me, The Revenant was more, it was very pretty. The cinematography on it, I will watch it again and again, just for the cinematography, the the yeah. the way it captured, you know, nature, and how he was able to capture that on film. Um, the story, to me, the story was just, you know, it, it was pretty run of the mill. You know, a revenge flick is basically yeah. what it was. Um, but the the way it was shot and the and the scenery that they chose to shoot that movie in, which is absolutely gorgeous. I'll watch it just for that. And, and nothing else. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, I think, you know, another thing that I always forget about is like how many like great cinematographically done things are there about the French and Indian war in that area era. You know what I mean? So you got to take that in consideration too, because there's some, some great conflict footage there. You know, it really sets the mood for everything that's going on. It was just wild territory, but that has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about, as usual. No, that's okay. That's how we roll. Mm-hmm. We're like Rich Eisen. That's a joke for Hunter. I'm sorry. We'll sorry. Just have <laughs> <a minute. laughs> that just. Yeah. That's all right. We're just entertaining ourselves. Um. So. The subject you wanted to talk about this week is the damn economy. The damned economy. Well, I, I was looking just kind of, and, and most people know this, that at least for now, UPS uh, and its workers have avoided a strike for right now. 
and it just reading this article and it was when I it had a snippet in there it had a paragraph that part-time workers were getting was starting out at 1550 an hour and that was one of the kind of the sticking points of the union that that needed to increase and me being my old ass self remembers back when I was 18 to 22 years old and if somebody had come along and handed me a job starting out at 15.50 an hour I would have said yes please thank you sir mm-hmm. but it got me it thinking you know so far as the bigger picture as I well this is not you know 30 years ago times have changed everything goes up inflation um, I'm not spouting off anything different than our parents spouted off when you know, or their parents before them, and I'm just, and I was just got to thinking. I was like, where does it end? I mean, as goods go up, services go up. Workers can't afford those services, so they need increases in their pay to keep up. And it's, it's a, it seemed like it was just a vicious cycle, and. Is it going to end? I mean, you know, are we looking 30, 40, 50 years from now where it's going to cost you $1,000 to fill up your tank? Or is yeah. It- no, it's just, the, you know, I mean, it's the flaw of capitalism, basically, is what we're looking at here because they're battling the, its biggest enemy is inflation. Because the promise of capitalism and what makes it so great that everybody quote-unquote, supposedly has the opportunity to amass wealth, property, whatever, to the the limits of their imagination. There's the possibility. Okay, that's what the promise of capitalism is. But, you know, as you go along over the years and everything, I mean, you know, the system gets, you know, integrated with government restrictions and policies about how the way to do business and licensing your business and, you know, training that were required and just all these added costs. And so like the idea of actually opening up your own business now is like ludicrous just because, I mean, just the call, the startup costs alone are like almost imaginable. So we're now, we're just, you know, a bunch of companies that have become multi conglomerates. And so there's just, you know, basically probably a hundred of corporations that are basically one in the world now. And a problem with inflation is, is, you know, granted everything costs more and that's a big problem in and of itself, but it creates a disparate, even more disparity between the haves and the have nots. Cause like, you know, back when you made a dollar an hour, you know, and then there was, you know, a rich man, he made it, you know, ten dollars an hour i mean that guy was the rich guy you know what i'm saying and so now you know everything is like increased exponentially i mean you know there's a you making fifteen dollars an hour i mean you're basically making like thirty thirty five thousand dollars a year you know what i'm saying and Which I mean, is and, 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 dangerous to the problem think about what middle class yeah. middle, you know it's like you know, probably, you know, I'm talking about family income, probably somewhere around $100,000 in most places, you know, median income. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference, you know? It, and, 
you know, but how does it stop? I mean, that's the thing that is, it's like, where does it end up? And if it ends up in a place where nobody wants to be, how, and, and I'm sure smarter minds, smarter minds than ours that have been toying with this, you know, and on top of that, it's like the middle class have a lot of these companies in their 401ks. And so, you know, do the presidents and the CEOs and the owners, I, they're so far removed. All they're looking to do, and I have to give credit to my wife, Jan. Jan and I were talking about this just before we went on the air. Where does it, where does the blame lie, if there is a blame? Um, so far yeah. as like, yeah. do CEOs make far too much money and get golden parachutes? Is that fair? Um, it's part of it. And on top of that, their only their only reason of existence is to make sure that their revenue from year to year increases. You know, if they have a couple of years of down years, they're gone. I mean, they're they're fired. They'll find somebody else. And in order to meet that goal, no matter how how unrealistic it may be, where do they where they, where do they first cut? You know, do they they cut benefits? They cut wages? They cut because labor is your biggest expense in just about any business. Well, sure. I mean, you know, and I mean that's a problem is that like robotics are doing a lot of the skilled positions that people used to do, and there's fewer and fewer skilled position jobs, and fewer and fewer people learning trades and skilled position jobs, and everything, almost everything, is now a service job. I mean. It's really getting to a point that the lower class and the lower middle class, essentially, is basically just slaves or servants, although paid servants, to the upper class. I mean, if you think about it, how much of business in this world from real estate to recreation, uh, you know, it, basically anything caters to upper middle class to, you know, upper class people. It's their world and, and businesses and things to do to, to service them. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not trying to play like no race, you know, not race war, Jesus, no class war or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, there's real legitimacy for, like, people complaining, you know, and, and being frustrated. But, you know, you can look at simple things you know, like on the ground level, but it's it's really now at this point where conceptually that we we just reached an end. And I mean, it's not just us; it's the world economy in general. I mean, you can just look at Europe. I mean, you know, there, there's if it wasn't for the European Union, I mean, Italy and Greece and other countries would have just been gone bankrupt. You know, I mean, essentially. If it, I mean, the only thing that saved them was, you know, the European Union buying them out. But, you know, the thing of it is, is now Europe is like super weak when they were like one of the major economies forever. Uh, and they're just struggling to hang on. And America is too. And what it is, is, I mean, it, wealth is really meaningless. Anything that, that anybody that has wealth, you know, it's really mostly built on the speculation of the future. You know what I mean? Like stocks and things like that. 
investments and whatever. And I mean, it's just a bubble. It's just housing. It's everything. I mean, the inflated housing market and, and, you know, they're printing money like it's going out of style. So they're just flooding the market with currency. And, you know, as the solution to just keep money out there circulating and everything. But I mean, you know, pay some people some wages. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just all this money just flows and it's just like, Every time they print a dollar bill, I mean, it's it's basically another borrowed dollar, you know? I mean, we've been off the gold standard since the Nixon administration. I mean, uh, used to, our money used to be worth what was on the, you know, we had it in reserve. Right. We didn't print more currency than we had gold to back it up. You know, that's laughable now. And I mean, some people argue that the United States doesn't have any, that Fort Knox is empty. There's no gold there. So... Yeah. So, I mean, who knows where we're headed? I mean, what I'm saying is, is that like the United States, Europe, China, all of it, it, it's headed for, it's a huge bubble and just the slightest thing. I mean, it's all about power and people pushing things to the limit. But I don't think, I don't think that there's any solution to what has always been the solution. And that's a reset, a giant reset. We've seen many versions of them. But it's either going to be a war or just a calamity. And, I mean, it happens. Russia collapsed. The the global economy in the last 50 years has become so intertwined. It used to be the United States was a market and, and even individual countries in Europe, it seemed like, was a market and individual countries in Asia. But we are so intertwined. We're basically from... And, and maybe you know, I may be off base, but it's also—it's kind of the mad method, mutually assured destruction, mm-hmm. because we're all so intertwined. If you know one falls, or if several fall, eventually there's not going to be enough wealthy countries to pick up the struggling countries, and it's going to sink us all down into a, you know, like you said, either a, a great global depression or mm-hmm. anything like that. But we're so intertwined economically, we can't just, a lot of people, say, well, we can't just say to China, we're not going to buy your stuff anymore. Or we're not going to buy your retail or your manufactured goods. Because then where are we going to get it? Number one, where are we going to get it? Number two, how much is it going to cost? And... Number three, well, if we don't buy it, somebody else will, you know, from that particular market. So it's not so, it's not just as easy as to say, you know, a trade embargo or something like that <coughs> or anything like that because we're all so, you know, we're all, we're all tied together economically. Yeah. I mean, I know, and a lot of people argue that having like a world government or a singular world government now that there's world trade and everything, but I mean, I think that's really the most dangerous path that we can go. And I understand that there's some conflict, you know, that could be avoided if we all just tried to figure out a way to get along, but the autonomy and the the different mind frames, I mean, is, is the key to making all these cogs work in turn. So, and plus human nature's own tendency towards fascism, you know, you know, it's got to have you concerned because once there's a world tyrant, I mean, that's the end of it, isn't it? You know, so 
I don't know. Or communism, where there's a I mean, was a communism, I mean, where there's a like a organization or a government body, you know, that's made up of a few, you know, high-ranking officers that pretty much call the shots for everything. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern right now is China. I mean, because they're trying to become the world superpower. I mean, you can say what you want. I mean, they build up this massive army and this massive arsenal, and they got more bombs than anybody. And I mean. They have more money. Well, you know, the, and by the way, the money that China has for anybody that doesn't want to, you know, or, or doesn't know, is inflated income as well. I mean, they've got entire cities that are just vast wastelands. They just build them just to keep their construction businesses afloat that all have billions of dollars in debt themselves. So, I mean, you know, but that's what China has made their money on is, is like loaning money to other countries. But you know, when all the money runs out, when you get to that point to the reset, I mean, what is China going to do? They can't default on, you know, shut the world down for defaulting on them. I mean, it'll just somehow or another that's going to be wiped away and we'll start over again. Just like, I mean, you look at all the, the, the threats, the seemingly threats to be world powers. I mean, in the 50s, it was, you know, red China and you know, they collapsed. And then you know, in the eighties, it was Japan is going to, you know, it was taking over the world. You know, they're so business savvy and everything. And I mean, I mean, Ch Japan's still doing well, but I mean, they're nothing compared to what they yeah. used to, you know, in Saudi Arabia yeah. and the middle East right now in certain countries that control the oil. I mean, they're just rolling in it right now, but you know, it, it won't be long and then that dries up. And then, you know, where will they be at that point? Nothing but another third world country. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and that that would go right back to that. And so, you know, China is there. I mean, I mean, but they'll have their downfall too. You know, and, and it's their population. Which, by the way, I don't want to monopolize this, but I know you wanted to talk about COVID because COVID sucked, and the whole sampling of that sucked, and that's a big part of why we are. Or why we oh, it are just it just are. it it. In my opinion, it accelerated what was the inevitable anyway. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, before COVID, even like a year or two before COVID, they were floating around $15 an hour uh, minimums at, you know, to flip burgers. Mm -hmm. And people were balking at that. It's, oh, you know, but then COVID happened. And when that passed, nobody went back to work. Yeah. Because the government gave them so much money, they didn't have to go back to work. And so in order to get employees back, companies had to say, well, I guess we can't pay anybody 10 bucks an hour. We got to go 15 and higher mm -hmm. to get to attract the people back that we lost during uh, during COVID. And uh, I, I just think, you know, with the inflation and everything, I mean, I just heard today that the fed raised rates again by another quarter percent who knows how long they're going to keep doing that i mean I, um, I, honestly you know i, I work in the mortgage business I, i'm invested in a company that's in the mortgage business so i know a lot about it and i mean i know it sucks for people that are buying a house but i mean i mean shit you can't give away money for free for 20 years you know and then not expect that there's going to be a housing bubble at some point yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I, would, I mean, shit. I mean, we're talking about yeah. it for twenty years. I mean, interest rates at five and below. 
I mean, and, and you know, and when I first got into the mortgage industry, and, and that was like back in the, the, um, the Clinton administration, I mean, rates at that time were like eight, eight and a half percent. And, you know, that was historically as low as they'd ever been. And I mean, we dropped down to points where we were like at two. I mean, it's just like giving money to people to go buy a house. You know, this is, these are government-backed loans. And what happens when they default? More debt for the U.S. government. And we've been through two housing bubbles already, and they just got kicked down the line, and another's about to happen. Excuse me. <sighs> Sneezing. <laughs> Another one is about to happen, was what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, I don't know. We, we were fortunate. Uh, Dan and I were fortunate to get, you know, to buy a house when the rates were still low. Like they were, we I think we had to buy a half a point to get it down to three point five. I mean, that's outstanding. Yeah, um, but then, like six months after that, it, you know, the Fed started raising rates again. I know it's hard for a lot of people, and it will take discipline. But if you can get yourself out of debt, like and live without debt, you know. Yeah, that's the key. That's the key. I mean, if you don't have, if you can live a lifestyle where, you know, live below your means a little bit and, you know, save, and, and I know it's mm -hmm. hard and it's hard to keep it that way, but that's what we've been doing. And, and quite frankly, I mean, savings, you know, right now is that like, this is the best time to put money in savings in the last 20, oh, 30 yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really at this point, I mean, you know, the money that, that I have, I want to divest it. You know what I mean? I don't want to put it all in the same place because it's so screwy. I mean, there's been, you know, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was, um, um, I think, a year or two ago back in Greece, and they were having another financial crisis. I mean, I mean, how many have they had? Well, the, the banks closed for like a week. And when they reopened the banks, they said, okay, we're reopening the banks and everybody's account is, you know, back and you have access to it, but you only have 90% of what was in there or something like that. That's how they corrected the situation. Now, if you've only got a hundred bucks in the bank, that's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? So congratulations. Now you got yeah. 90. But it's a little different. And, and, and if it, it's it's and it's funny that it's like these same countries seem to be doing the same thing, and getting the same into the same predicament, and they're needing another bailout or another financial assist. Uh, you know, at what point, you know, it's almost like you know the what we went through with the recession. You know, you had businesses or industries that were too big mm -hmm. to fail. You know, and I'm just like, I always looked at that. I'm like, no, they're not, because because of their incompetence, I got to pay for it now, or you know, or the rest of this country has got to pay for it now. Or if you agree, it's just like, if I'm in like Germany, I say, oh great, you know, part of my money is going to bail out a bunch of dumbasses mm -hmm. or corruption mm -hmm. even. 
who can't seem to, you know, get like two plus two equals four. And they keep doing the same things over and over again. I mean, and that's a, another part of that mutually assured destruction. I mean, they're going to keep, at what point do you sell the tough love? I mean, they're not going to let Greece mm-hmm. fail. You know, and I, I just, I, I mean, it's going to be painful, but I, I, the solution is always, almost always easy, but the will to implement it is I mean, hard. like, the funny thing about just it, let I mean, it fail. Like, let the it funny fail. thing about all of Europe's like, come on, Greece, man, come on, like, and the Greece is like, oh, you know, I don't know, come, can you just help us out? It's like, are you going to try harder? Yeah, I guess we will. You know, just help us out. Come on, we're a family. <laughs> did you gamble away the money again? Did you? Did I'll give you money for the heat. Did you gamble away this money? Just tell me you gambled away the money, and I'll give you the I'll give you the money to turn the heat I back mean, on. The United States has enough problems with itself. Yeah, and, and we we can talk about it. I mean, it's just absolute waste and ridiculousness. And I mean, and I mean, I'm no government is needed and i'm not talking about having anarchy or anything like that but the government just slowly integrates itself more and more in every aspect of your life and i mean every one of them is like it's like just an aggravating intrusion like you know i would just say like for for example like in the mortgage industry because i'm familiar with it all of a sudden now you have to take a uh, you know, a class every year that takes up a whole week of your time just to have a mortgage license. Now, I mean, I mean, can you trust that someone's going to keep themselves, you know, educated on what the laws are? I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, just stuff like that. But it's, you know, time away from work, time away from your schedule, money to pay. You have to pay for the class and then you have to relicense every year. It's just stupid. I mean, it, it, it it's just things like that. And that's just one thing. And then, like, on surface, maybe that's a good idea. We don't need people, stupid people in the mortgage industry. I get that. But, I mean, it's that, and then it's something else, and then something else, and then something else, and then something else. And then over the course of two, three, four, a hundred years, you know, you know, we're now where this gross, inflated bureaucracy of a government that, that accomplishes nothing. I mean, you look at everything the government does. They go right in. The first thing they do before they do anything to accomplish anything is set up this fat-ass chain of bureaucracy. Uh, who's in charge and who's going to be under it and all this stuff. And then, you know, it'll maybe a year before they actually get to working on the project that they're doing before they hire all the, the big cushy jobs for people to put in there. And everything in, in the U.S. government is like that. Uh, there's so many useless. I mean, we could just audit our own federal government and just get rid of the waste. I mean, half the country would probably be unemployed. But yeah, I mean, it, it's literally like that. I mean, I, I mean, the U.S. government. I mean, no matter how you want to look at it. I mean, it, I mean, it's a, a company in and of itself, and it's been mismanaged, and the books have been cooked. Just like every other country's books have been cooked, and it's all a facade, and it all dangles on this teeny little high wire that we walk on. And I'm telling you, there'll be a reset. It'll either be an economical, global 
disaster, like another, you know, depression, like a global depression, or it'll be another war. And I tend to lean towards the war. But I don't think it'll be like traditional with guns and weapons and stuff. It'll be more of a cyber war, like a technology and, you know, that sort of thing. That, that stuff is going oh, on sure. already, really. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like they're, they're testing, testing the defenses to see on both sides, us against whoever and whoever against us. They're, they're kind of testing to see the weak mm-hmm. points on that. And uh, I, I, I think the United, the the U.S. government can shed half of its workforce, and still, and probably function better. I mean, you know, I want to get back to this. I'm glad you said that because I think it's really important to to look at this situation where we are. I mean, if you look back on COVID before it hit, I mean, the world was in bad shape. It, economically i mean you know with all the debt and all the problems everyone was facing and covid basically just said okay let's double it and that's essentially what the result of a year and a half or two of covid was so with that in mind i wanted to ask you do you believe that covid was a natural phenomenon or do you believe that someone is actually responsible for covid and I'll answer first if it makes you feel better. So oh no, I no, I I told I I I firmly believe that it was not natural. I firmly believe somebody or some group or some government was behind the mm-hmm. leak, as it were. Whether I mean, uh, quite frankly. I, I believe China probably. Oh, I believe. I mean, China developed that. I think it's pretty. I mean, it's not really that disputable, and quite frankly, there's enough dirt on Dr. Fauci now that if he didn't, if he wasn't part of it, he had a he was so blinded by the money he was getting for his research that he just turned turned Mm -hmm. a blind eye to it and tried to spin it the way you know. The real source of where you know how COVID was released to the world, and uh, I don't know why he was even allowed to like go on as long as he had. I for for Trump to have him go on as long as he had, like I'm just like I I really yeah I think and you try I mean I I don't want to say anything bad about the people of China, but their government is just, I yeah. wouldn't put it above them. I wouldn't well, put it past them. I, do I don't this. think that there's any dispute that the origin of COVID was, you know, a lab in China. I don't think there's any, but I guess my, I mean, so we agree on that. So my next question to you is, do you think that it was an accident or release or do you think it was intentional? Because I believe it was intentional and, and, and then I'll, I'll, and I, I, I lean the same way. I, I do. Um, yeah, I don't think this was an accident. I really don't. And if nothing else was maybe, and not to go all conspiracy theory, but I think this was another probe. 
just to see how we would I, react I don't know to if it. That's what it was because I mean it hit China first and then it grew there and, and went from there. I mean if you look at China, I mean you just have to look at who benefits. I mean why would they do this? Because they hurt themselves first and probably more than anybody. But you look at this disease, and there's China and they look at everything and it's a fascist state, and you know as far as a fascist state the preservation of the state is the only thing that matters. You know, the people are meaningless. It's only what they can contribute to the state that matters. So that's how they look at everything. So they look at it and say, we've got all these fucking people and they just won't stop fucking. So we, I mean, we've got to do something to curtail this. So they make this disease and who does it attack? The really young, the elderly, and the infirm. So if you're a fascist state that wants to get rid of like the drags on the state and you can make a disease and just disperse it out to the, uh, the country and get rid of all the like dead weight that's out there, the people that are not working, then you'll solve a big part of your problem. And it got loose and affected some rest of the world. And then like, you know, wow, that's really doing some things for China. Let's just let it go a little bit and see what happens. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, that's the extremist side of me and the way of looking at it. Do I think that's actually the way it went down? I don't know. I mean, I think it could definitely why it went down in China and why it started and then it got out of hand. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, China, I mean, anytime anybody tried to say something to China about it, I mean, China be like, what about that money you owe me, motherfucker? You know, and so, you know what I mean? So what you can't do anything. Yeah. F you, pay me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and quite frankly, you know, I mean, just to see how the rest of the world reacted to it was kind of icing on the cake because they could, they kind of could see how the rest of the world reacted to this, you know, new virus that was let loose upon us and uh i mean quite frankly it shut down our whole economy economy for what six months at least six months it bankrupted at least one of my businesses (laughs) i mean i don't for for anybody that was watching it doesn't know i mean despite the like small level of success that we had you know a long time ago I mean, I think, you know, people think we're just because we're on, you know, somewhat pseudo famous at a point. I mean, I bet most of the time in the projects we worked on, Greg, you and I together and the freaking crack stuff, we made like minimum wage at most, except for those MTV bonuses every once in a while. It's the only time we ever made any real money. So, you know, despite that fact, and then we didn't do anything about promoting ourselves or there wasn't the internet back then. You couldn't have like... A, you know, YouTube, we would have been, we'd have probably blown up on YouTube. You know what I mean? Just think about it. Not now, obviously, but back then, we, we don't have anything fresh to say. But the point I'm trying to make is like for a majority of our lives, I mean, we've had to like grind through real jobs. So, I mean, we're working people too, and we're not just complaining. I mean, we lived it and live it. And yeah, and it, it just and as we get older as I especially as I get older you know I just 
I, I you know, I dig the de- dig the moat a little bit deeper, a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. You know, build the wall a little bit higher. Make sure that I can keep what I've worked so hard for mm-hmm. as long as I can, as long as I possibly can, mm-hmm. before I'm too old to have it anymore. So. I'm just kind of, you know, it's one of those things that this is a topic that I just kind of think, you know, forgive me, I'm just kind of staring off into space and just kind of thinking about what, you know, what has happened. Because you and I, we spent a good part of mm-hmm. our working years together. So, I mean, you and I know how to grind, so. It's just, yeah, just, being stupid. I mean, you do what you have to do. I mean, I think if we sit here and talk about this, I mean, the point I think of all of this discussion is that when you look at it and you really study it, there is no solution. Well, I mean, there's going to be a solution, but something to fix, a fixing solution, it doesn't exist. So it's depressing as shit. But if if I can give anybody listening to this show a piece of advice from somebody that knows about these things, which you should be working on now, I mean, don't worry about it and fret about what's happening because there's really not anything you can do about it. So this is what I suggest to do. If you've got credit cards and you're not using them, stop. Don't use them anymore. Stay out of debt. Um, property is a good investment. I wouldn't say so much houses. Undeveloped farmland would be an incredible investment right now if you can hold on to it for a while. Any kind of like fertile, undeveloped land, I think, would be a great investment. That's your investment of the future right there. China knows it. That's what they're doing. Um, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, stay out of debt, own property, diversify. Uh, don't have all your money in one place. Don't trust the banks. There's always going to be a place where you can have your money. Buy gold, silver you know, valuable metals, um, you know, and keep just different things, you know, some, maybe some risky ones if you want to look for some high yield stuff. But I mean, try to be conservative as possible. I wouldn't have a lot of money in the market right now. I mean, I think a lot of other people feel the same way, obviously, but, um, but, uh, well, actually, I mean, uh, not to, not to, actually this year has been pretty well, you know, has gone pretty well for the market so far this year but I mean I, we've all gotten into the mm-hmm. the credit score boogeyman mm-hmm. I mean the way things have worked the way the world works today at least I feel is so dependent on three numbers that's 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 your worth right now. That's as a person and as a worker and or as a human being, your worth is pretty much combined into three numbers from the three uh, credit score companies. And you know, there's a lot of places. It's it's hard to do, but you don't have to have a credit score mm-hmm. to get what you want. You know, you can get a house, believe it or not. You can get a house without mm-hmm. with a zero credit score. And, and from what I understand, it's called yep. manual underwriting. You, I mean, 
you know, and and I'm, if I'm stepping on your toes as somebody being in the mortgage industry, I don't mean to, Jeff, but it just seems to me that when you do a manual underwriting, it forces the person on the other side of the desk to actually do some legwork and thinking. I said, okay, this person's brought me oh, their here, last I mean, two years it's of... It's actually a pretty simple thing, um, to be honest with you. I mean, they don't... Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that makes doing them like hard is because uh, Fannie and Freddie put so much verbiage about credit scores into guidelines and stuff recently. So if you if you don't have a score... It makes underwriters nervous about putting loans through. So they'll put them through some scrutiny, but it's still the same thing. Do you have a job? Is it stable? Do you make enough to support the mortgage that you're buying? Is the house worth what you're buying? Um, or do you have any outstanding bad debts or liens? No, you don't, but you don't have a credit score. So we're going to have to find some way to like verify that you have a propensity to pay your bills on time. So Everybody has, you know, has a rental reference. You know, sometimes they don't. You know, there's ways to get around that. But, you know, wherever you stand, you can start paying, quote unquote, rent. Just give them a check and they, they cash. And there's your rent rental reference. And you have to do it for six months or so. And the, and the other thing is, is, you know, they can get your payment history from cell phone company, from electric company, from uh, anything, you know. So. You get about three or four utility references that are golden. Your rental reference is golden. You make enough money. Yeah, shit, yeah, they'll do that long. Now, I will ask you, is there, will there be a, in, a difference in yeah. interest rate? Because, I mean, it is, I mean, if it's FHA, I mean, you get what you get, you know. But, I mean, if you go into, like, the conventional side, like, you know, a bank loan from say like Truist or whatever, you mean, it, it's, it's rated based on their, um, I mean, I, I don't know if, if they would do a, a, um, a manual underwrite on a, a, something that's not a government loan, like an FHA. Um, if you don't have the credit score, because it's the rate you get is tiered by your score. I mean, at those rates, even if you, they would be jacked up, you would be, be stupid not to do FHA. And then my answer is, and it forces you to get a credit go score. Well, how do you get a credit mm -hmm. score? You got to borrow money, go in debt to get a, well, which is something you don't want to do. <laughs> so, okay, so let's, let's open up them. a bunch of credit cards. I mean, and yeah. we'll promise I mean, we'll keep the payments so anybody that nobody does. Yeah. I mean, wants to develop a credit. They have no credit score. This is all you have to do to have a credit score. And I want to let you listen very close to this. Um, apply for a credit card. You know, your first one, if you've got no bad debt or nothing on your credit report, it's just blank is what I'm talking about. They'll give you a credit card probably somewhere around a $300 credit limit. When you get it, activate it. When you don't, I don't want you to really use it. You may go out one time and buy a tank of gas, and when you get your bill, pay it off. Don't use the card, put it away. Um, maybe once every two or three months, put a tank of gas on it and just pay it off. If you do that for about six months, you'll have a 700 credit score. That's all you have to do one credit card and use it that way.
don't carry any balance on it and just, just use it once or twice, three times, maybe every six months. Small purchase. And I think, I think another key, I think another key, if you want to go that route, I think another key to that is keep the limit low. That way, you know, the thing is, let's just say it's a $500 credit card that you get. When they, because you know they're going to do it, they're going to say, hey, you qualified. We can up this to 2000 if you want. And that just gives you temptation to go yeah. spend that 2000 that you don't have. Keep the limit low. Then that way, all right, let's just say you do mm-hmm. use it for emergencies. You can you can get you most people can get themselves out of five hundred dollars out of a five hundred dollar hole sure within a few months. But if you have like two, three, four, five thousand dollar limit or more, and you're not disciplined enough, and you start charging stuff whether it's emergency or not, a five hundred dollar hole. Is easier to get out of than yeah. a. I don't 5, feel like cooking list stops. Get the family KFC and it's sixty bucks on the credit card. That that shit piles up like nobody's business because I can tell you because I'm guilty as anybody. <laughs> or I use it for groceries or something. You know, I mean, even if you cook at home, I mean, even if you didn't go out, if you use it for like everyday expenses, then I don't know. It just if you're not disciplined enough to pay it, you know, pay the pay it off within the cycle, then that could that could uh, that could lead you down a mm-hmm. a hole that you don't want to yeah. go down. So can a prostitute? I'm sure you have. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've been down lots of holes and you didn't want to go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's never a, mind. That's a, never that's mind. A great, yeah. That could be an off a, off uh, a, off air topic great, on that one. I think that's a great place to finish. The show. Yeah, I do too. Good well, I just feel like if we kept going, we'd I mean, we, we, we didn't solve any problems, like but at least we talked going, about it. You know, you know, we we didn't solve any problems, yeah. but at least we talked about it. Well, basically, it, and that's half yeah, of it. Yeah, we're just reassuring everybody: the shit's real bad, but don't worry about it because there ain't nothing you can do about it. But just put put something, a little bit of something, in every pocket, and hold on to your britches. How about that? All right. Man. Any exciting plans on the horizon for you? Uh, not September. Uh, I'm taking a junket with Jan to uh, New Orleans. Well, when you, for a because days. remember, I'm trying to get up your way that time of year too. Yeah. Yeah, I told I, I told you about this off offline a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah. like the middle of September, Jan and I are going to take a couple of days. Yeah. It's through work. It's a it's a trip to 
we're going to uh, mm-hmm. New Orleans for a couple of days. Remember the the one I oh, went yeah. to Biloxi? Sent you the pictures. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Same thing, yeah, but we're just going to New Orleans this time. Yeah. But that's in New September. Orleans is, you know, I don't know. It's fun. I don't know if I can live there, though. It reminds I've been to Savannah more, and it, it, they, those two towns remind me. I mean, it's hot as blazes, number one. And really, like, the allure to the town is, like, everybody parties their ass off all the time. So if you don't want to party your ass off, I mean, and then you've already seen all the history, then, I mean, I don't know what's left. I don't know. Maybe I'm an oddball in that regard. Now, don't get me wrong. I love both cities, but I'm just saying, they, I could see how they can get boring if you're there all the time. New Orleans is boring. <laughs> now, is, is, well, what's, what, well, what would be the main difference between Savannah well, and New Orleans? I mean, is it no, both no, they're the completely same, different cities. Is there, I'm just saying, but it just seems like the main attraction is, you know, partying your ass off. And aside, you take the partying your ass off aspect out of both cities, and I don't know what's left is what I'm saying. Uh, sure. Did you go around the French Quarter? Like I said, any? the history kind of New walk- Orleans is incredible. And I mean, you could spend a month there just studying the historical things around there. And all, you know, up and down the Mississippi River as far back goes. So I'm, I'm not slamming New Orleans. I'm just saying <laughs> I was just making an observation more than anything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, people that like to be out and socialize. Yeah, and not every town is that way. <laughs> but that's all I got. I mean, that's that's the only thing on my horizon other than yeah. grinding it out. <laughs> Nothing. I'll tell you what. So we depressed the shit out of everybody, insulted two, ta- insulted two other major U.S. cities. I don't think there's anything else we've got to do <laughs> for this one. It's just <laughs> All right. that, that's a that's a full night, my friend. Hey, look, yep. Have a great week, ma'am. You gonna take us out? Hey, look, and good night, every- yep. Oh, and thanks for watching and like us and all that shit. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. We'll try better next time. <laughs>